Hey, Warrior Woman, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode, we're going to talk about pain and stress, <laughs> two of my favorite things. This episode today is with a good friend. Her name is Gina, and she is the founder of True Evolution Pain and Performance Management. Her company focuses on pain and stress management and supports people and athletes to get back to full performance so they can perform, create change, and really do work that they love. In today's episode, we talk about the nervous system and why the state of our nervous system is really important for our health and our performance. We chat about the stress bucket and what happens when it's full and overflowing. Then we dive into looking at our pain stories and how we can start to understand and manage our pain. And then we finish our conversation today talking about the pelvic floor and back pain and some of her work that she started to explore with her female clients. Okay, Warrior Woman, enjoy this conversation about pain and stress management. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. I believe the quality of our cycles determines the quality of our training and lives. And I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. Each week on the podcast, myself and other professionals will talk about how to know your cycle, eat to support your physiology and training, and how to train smart so you can finally get the results that you want in your training. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. All right, I want to talk to you about the nervous system. Yeah, what do you want to know? (laughs) So I talk about this red umbrella a lot, that like the red umbrella is your nervous system and then we have all these prongs that make up our nervous system. And if one or more of those isn't working right, our nervous system isn't working right. So in our conversation today, I want to start with talking about the nervous system, like what it is, why is it important, what happens when, you know, it's stressed. Uh, Then we can talk about stress. And I thought we could talk about like pain and our pain stories and then get into a bit of like pelvic floor, back pain, menstrual cycle stuff. Yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. Okay. So- Let's start with the nervous system. All right. Well, I like your idea of the whole red umbrella thing. Well, there is a metaphor that um, states that there is every person holds a bucket, right? And that bucket you'll call the stress bucket. And then taking that a nervous system has pretty much only one duty to fulfill is to keep us safe if it doesn't if it doesn't do that then we've been activating threat systems right we know that and then you can call it whatever stress pain chronic tiredness i don't know hunger that you can't control sleeping problems whatever you want to call it let's take like pain for 
the main thing and then we can put everything underneath it like stress whatever is kind of keeping you low does that make sense yeah I think so so you have a bucket it's a stress bucket yeah and everything that happens throughout your day from the outside can fill the bucket if your nervous system is not telling you that that's safe so every time every uh, some an input is received by the nervous system and that input from the external could be let's just name a few all right your relationships your workplace your training your partners your family situation your educational state past experiences stuff trait that triggers you or even like situations that happen in daily life like walking across the street or like a dog barking at you whatever is really coming to your brain to your nervous system from the outside okay if any one of them or a few of them are not super clear to for your nervous system to understand straight away it'll then send unclear information which the nervous system most of the time interprets as a threat. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I don't really know. Hmm. I, re- I don't really like going to my parents' house on Christmas. Whatever. Just take an example. So you instantly feel sp- threatened. Your nervous system is like, well, that's a threat because I don't really want to go there. But you still do it. So you're developing a subconscious stress towards that situation and your nervous system is like, all right, all right, ew, ew, ew. We're in a state that's kind of like hypersensitive to everything else that's going to happen around you. And then everyone knows it. You sit at the table. I don't know. Your mom, your dad says something and you snap. (laughs) Yeah. Just as an example, right? That's just one example out of many. And then there is the other things that also receive uh, that also give input to the nervous system, which is the inputs from the internal. Yeah. So valve movement, heart rate, temperature recognition, respiratory state. Yeah. Visual system, uh, vestibular system, uh, energy capacity like nutrition and fuel in general like glucose, O2, CO2, cycles, hormones. So same thing. If one of these things, or two or three or five, whatever, don't deliver clear information to the nervous system, the bucket is going to keep filling up. And then there's this one thing coming on top. And what happens? The bucket's going to overflow. And you're going to start developing something that is either painful, so stressful, sleeping problems or whatever, because your brain tries to tell you or your nervous system tries to tell you that there's a lot of things not working and that one thing might be too much for you. So it tries to kind of pull you down to be like, please keep your feet still because that ain't so good for you right now. So pain Stress is not really a bad thing all the time. It's more like a protective outcome. 
So that's why I really like the way that you explain to your clients or to the people in the podcast how you're talking about the red umbrella because you take, please correct me if I'm wrong, nutrition, right? Then your training. Then what else? What do you say? Mindset? The cycle. The cycle. What else? Oh, there's so many prongs. The environment, uh, trauma, our relationships, um, our metabolism. Yeah. Yeah. So you could think of any prong that either causes stress or helps us manage stress. So I think that's like it's a two-way street. And like you just said, stress isn't bad. It's Mm. our inability to be able to regulate and manage that stress like the bucket just gets so full and overflows uh, and we don't know how to regulate or manage it it's kind of like I think of it as a resiliency you know we we're yeah we're not um we don't have the resiliency to deal with the stresses that come in either from an external input or an internal input. And my work is in three prongs in particular. So making sure you're nourished because food is to give your cells energy uh, and it's also to help support the nervous system. And then it's maybe changing the type of training that you're doing to help with the physiology and the nervous system. And then the cycle piece comes in. So I just work mainly in three prongs. And I know you work in one prong in particular, which is pain. Pain and stress, yeah. And well, stress. Which is kind of the yeah, same which is thing. kind of like the whole, I guess you're like, you're working on top of that umbrella. <laughs> I, let's just say I keep telling, I, I keep talking about myself as the finder of problems. To create pain and stress. <laughs> You're trying to figure out, yeah, the problem try, that's yeah. causing the pain and causing the, exactly. the, the biggest stress in the system. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and I found it so interesting what you're saying, because especially when you talk about your three prongs and you talk about the resiliency. So I talk a lot about resiliency in when I hold like workshops about stress, stress resilient, to become more stress resilient to then decrease pain along the way. It's just what you're saying. So if you help your nervous system or your body in general or your brain or whatever you want to call it, in the end, this one thing that everyone sees it, right? It's either your body, it's your nervous system, it's your brain. All of these things work together anyway and they're not doing anything without the brain slash the nervous system so but if you say that so how I try to explain to people that we don't want to to change everything for you in your daily life to then have the best results that's how I explain to my clients I want to try or I am helping my clients, let's say that, I'm helping my clients to go from a stress bucket that's that big with them having a stress overflow and a pain sensation every day to with nourishment and fueling and resiliency training of the certain inputs themselves to create a bigger bucket. 
Yeah. So I increase capacity for them on a bucket level. So I don't tell them, you don't have to stop doing that or that. But we have to make sure if you don't want to stop the, those things, that we have to work on, I don't know, your eyes, your vestibular, your breathing, your fueling to create a bigger bucket so your capacity for energy is bigger and your brain and your body they've become more resilient to stress. So it's not overflowing so quickly. And yeah. that's very great because we have so many, well, we have so many colleagues out there that are great in what they're doing, but it's not really multimodal. And the body and the brain are multimodal input domain. So it doesn't just take input from one side. It's kind of three-dimensional. So, And the, the stress bucket is kind of like the greatest things that I love to explain, uh, explain to my clients because they're like, huh, so I'm not really happy at my job right now. I'm in a relationship with a guy or with a girl that I just met. So I'm not really safe with them yet. And it's still super exciting, which is also stress, which is, is, which is um, positive, but it's still stress. It's still a sympathetic response. Hmm. And then I might have, I don't know, had a rough childhood with my dad and I'm not really in contact with my mom and I have a, I have glasses and I get dizzy every time I stand up, but I have knee pain and no one could help me yet. So that's my work. And then I tried to like, well, hmm, let's talk about that first and then talk about the knee later, because if you can help your nervous system to create a bigger capacity for all those negative things that we find out go into your stress bucket, then the knee pain will slowly go away if it's not structural damage that causes that cause inflammation. So there's a lot to it, but it's I think the the essence of the whole thing is just to look deeper, dig deeper, rather than just being like, hey, can you move your knee in that direction? Can you move it in this direction? So that's why I'm trying to to talk to tell my clients so pain is a multi model output. So it can can come from anywhere. And it's the same with period pain. And yeah, I could probably write a novel about period pain, but it's exactly the same thing. <laughs> you got to find out what is going wrong, what's going wrong or what's been gone wrong for so long that your brain has made it a habit, maybe even a habit to have pain when your hormones drop or rise or however you want to say. <coughs> Sorry. So pain can become a habit when your brain is like, all right, that happens every time. How about I make a habit? Because I have already so little energy that I'll make it a habit so I don't have to waste so much anymore. Do you know what I mean? So every time our brain sees things reoccurring, do you say reoccurring? Reoccurring often. It's like, hmm, so that happens a lot. So to save energy, I'll habitize it because I already have so little energy. And if you have a bigger energy capacity, you can help your brain 
to not habitize things that have been happening two, three, five times in a row. And that's the same of pain. It's the same of anything else. Do you need energy to brush your teeth? No. You don't even need energy to think about it. It's normal for you. And your brain does the same thing or your nervous system does the same thing with pain or with menstrual problems or with hormone drops. It's exactly the same thing. So your nervous system can make having hormones that are going crazy and are not in line into a bad habit when you push the right triggers. And that's what makes it so interesting. <clears throat> yeah. So I want to come back. <laughs> I want to go back to a little bit of like the structural stuff about the nervous system, because when we're talking about this nervous system in this bucket or this umbrella, what is it really made up of? So you mentioned before when you were talking about it, you mentioned sympathetic. Can we just mm. like go back just to like kind of basics around the nervous system, like looking at sympathetic, parasympathetic, like the vagal nerve, like can we just spend some time around, like, you know, if we say you have a broken red umbrella or you have a full bucket, like what does that even mean on a, like a, like a physiological perspective? Well, like we said before, so the nervous system has two systems. It's got the sympathetic tone or the sympathetic nervous system, yeah, um, which which starts in the midbrain, so part of the brain where it sits, where it can start to be activated, which is a very active part. And then there is the parasympathetic tone or nervous system, which actually starts out of the medulla, where the nervous, uh, the vagal nerve also sits. So there is a few things that would might that is super interesting to know when we talk about brain and brain anatomy, because if you know what activates certain regions of the brain, you can make sure that you can actually then downregulate or upregulate your nervous system. Right, that's probably what you want to talk about right now. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> plus, it's, it's plus it sounds pretty sexy, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So if there's a few things that go with it. So hang on. We have the nervous system that hang on, give me one second. My my laptop's just going crazy right now. I'm sorry. Okay. So there's a few things that start that start in the sympathetic nervous system. So we we also call it fight or flight. Yeah, you've probably if anyone out there that's listening to this has heard fight or flight before, then you know what I'm talking about. So it's the system that you need to have activated, especially I mean when we're talking about in this podcast, uh, when you have sex, very active. It's very responsible for having an orgasm. Yeah, uh, it's also very responsible for relaxing your bladder which is very ambivalent to what we know when we talk about women that had children jumping and uh, they've been told to like suck in and like train the pelvic floor and create tension but if you are doing if you're training then you're actually in a sympathetic state 
And so your bladder normally is relaxed, which is very ambivalent. So it's, yeah. But we can talk talk about the whole pelvic floor stuff later. But uh, what else? So if your sympathetic tone is active, your pupils widen and your heart rate increases and homeostatics like temperature in your body and respiratory rate normally increase. So you're ready to fight or you're ready to run when the threat actually comes towards you. So that's how also the body is kind of shaped, like pulling everything down just to the executive functions or not the, I'm sorry, just to the uh, survival functions. So you don't, you're really, really hard for you to have abstract thinking uh, ability uh, abilities in that moment or to like have very super clear decisions that you can make. Yeah, you are very snappy because your body creates that kind of hypersensibility to towards a lot of things. Like we all of us know. That's what we said before when we had the, the example of sitting at your Christmas table with your family and you don't really want to be there and you're snapping at your dad, for example. Which is a funny example, but I, I'm really sure that so many people out there can relate. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even if we love them. But yeah, you know, the festive days, we all know, they get weird sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, so that would be the sympathetic tone that we can raise when things yeah, become stressful. And also when we need them, though. So when you're sitting in um, in an interview for a job, you want your sympathetic tone to be active, but not in a way that you're not able to function right anymore, like not in a way that you lose your executive functions, like creative thinking and clear talking and making decisions, but you still have to have it active on a regulated basis because you don't want to go there and fall asleep because you're resting and digesting. That's what don't most of the time you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then yeah, in sports psychology, they talk about it as in uh, like optimal level of arousal. So they have this bell shape mm-hmm. curved and mm-hmm. for like optimal performance, uh, yeah. you need to be in this optimal level of arousal. And if you're over aroused or like you've, You've activated the sympathetic nervous system so much that it therefore is a detriment to like your performance, whether that's like physical performance, mental performance. Um, And I'm sure a lot of us have experienced like, you know, if you go to give a speech or a presentation, you know, that anxiety that that Mm. you feel is like the sympathetic nervous system. It's exactly. uh, And then if it's way too much, like it thinks like you're going to, you're running from a lion, you're just so over aroused that it's really hard to actually perform. Exactly. And the funny thing is that, especially when you talk about um, things like having a holding of presentation, um, what we talked about before. So in, re- remember when your sympathetic tone is over aroused or is hypersensitive, then what do you do? your bladder relaxes and also do every other thing in your body. So, but why is that, sir? It's just because your body wants to focus on the live supporting things and they're not to hold your poop or holding your pee. Let that out so I can, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, it's like they got to go to the brain and to the heart. Yeah, exactly, they got to go <laughs> yeah. to the brain and to the heart, and they don't care what's coming out. That's so like so often that happens when people have like very very like exciting over exciting presentations, or they're so nervous, or people have like um, how do you call like fear of test te- when they have to write a test and they get like fear or something. I don't know if there's a word for it, but then they run to the toilet, they have diarrhea. Because your nervous system is like, oh my God, let's just make sure everything's out before we die. <laughs> if you want to, I mean, honestly, we want to, I, I can talk very scientifically, but I'm not really a big fan because I really like talking the way that everyone can relate to. So Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's yeah. fine with you. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So we Perfect. have the sympathetic, which a lot of the time, a lot of us are in all of the time. because of our red umbrellas and our over full stress buckets and we're in a state a lot and also because of our vibrant environment so I like that word that you use that's a nice word to describe it I'm not sure I would call it vibrant vibrant. (laughs) (laughs) I would call it very vibrant or (laughs) hello it's a very vibrant environment, isn't it? Yeah, very vibrant. That I really like that word. That's such a nice word to use for the environment that we have today. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I could use so many, like so many more words that will pop into my head. But let's yeah. just say vibrant, shall we? Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, but the thing is that, remember what we said before the recording was on? The Latin stress that we have in Germany? So it's really the subconscious stress that we have all day long due to our vibrant environment. So just, stop laughing. I just can't move past this word. Like I'm going to use, I'm going to steal your word. I really like Perfect. the word vibrant environment, but I would yeah. say toxic. Yeah, our toxic environment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a very smart, it's a very smart word. It's not my thing because I think it can do a lot for the nervous system as well and the story that we tell ourselves. And instead of thinking of this, of course, as a negative. Yeah, as a negative. Exactly. Yeah, so I like like vibrant. Yeah. And I mean, we all know, or if you don't know, now you know that every word that we say is 10 times stronger than the thought that we hold behind it. So I really try to hold myself to that and try not to talk negatively if I really don't have to. Like if something bad happens, I do say that because I do want to feel that that happens. But if it if there's no reason to get myself into a negative state, I try to find words that will not allow me to talk in a negative way because I know how much it can impact my nervous system or my brain. Yeah. So that's why I try to, yeah, I try to use words that, that are very going into the whole neutral thinking thing. So I don't emotionalize everything, but anyway, so in the, so (laughs) that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Yeah. So in the environment that we live, we have so many triggers that that are pushed all day long and our nervous system when it was created, it wasn't meant to do all that. So back in the days when humans rose out of the 
mucky, whatever you want to call it. So how they evolved in our environment to become what they are today. When the whole nervous system developed, it wasn't made to work 12-hour days and drive fast cars and watch movies all day because it's a pandemic worldwide or sit in front of our phones all day and get disbalances in eye muscles and have different brain areas activated all day long. So that's not what we're meant to do. But we're doing it. So there's a lot of subconscious stress due to the environment that we live in and due to the lifestyles that we live in right now that actually created a hypersensibility for the sympathetic nervous um, nervous system or sympathetic tone. And that is the biggest trap that you can actually fall into because have you ever experienced laying in bed and wanting to sleep, but you can feel your heart beating very fast and you don't know why? And that's exactly what I'm talking about. So due to that hypersensibility that the sympathetic nervous system creates, we're so like, there's not a lot of saliency that we have anymore to the things that are happening around us. So we're just jumping on top of everything that kind of tries to get attention from us from the outside. And then you lay in bed and you want to go to sleep and you're super tired, but your heart rate's still up and you can feel it. And that's because your sympathetics are still on point. And that's what makes us sick. And that's coming to the other side, to the parasympathetic, also makes it so hard for us to connect to vagal nerve again and to then snip, uh, switch on the parasympathetic uh, sympathetic state. And that's also why we have so many problems with losing weight, excess body fat, sleep problems, pain, and burnout. And that's the dangerous thing about it. Yeah. Because we can't, we find it hard to get into parasympathetic. Yeah, because the because the body is so used to staying in sympathetic tone that it's so hard to switch to actually allow resting and digesting. And in mind, I mean, how many people out there have bad skin or have uh, um, bowel, how do you say, uh, bowel syndrome? Yeah, like irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, ir- irritable bowel, uh, bowel syndrome. Or they have problems with um, them being, they feel sick a lot or they're dizzy. Yeah. Or in pain. Or they're not hungry. Or they have irregular menstrual cycles. They can't recover. They have migraines. They have PMS. Yeah. Yeah, All of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially that, especially in women. So having PMS can, it's a massive thing. That sympathetic tone is just so hypersensitive. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of, it's like an uh, an onion, a very big onion. There's lots of layers. It's super complex and like we could get really sciencey on it. But so we've got these two, you know, the sympathetic, the parasympathetic. Uh and with with the sympathetic, it can be we come back to those internal and external inputs and outputs or, or how whatever you however you were explaining it before. Yeah. So um 
you know, we could have all those subconscious stresses like our environment. Uh, and then we have the way that we're actually live, like what, the way that we're actually living. So when it comes to like our food and our training and uh, am I kind of getting that right? The way that you're talking about it. Cause the way, when I work with the women uh, and we talk about stress and their nervous system, we're looking at their hormones uh I'll often say we talk about the environment piece. Yeah. They might not be consciously stressed. Like, yeah, you know, they might not walk around all day thinking I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Or, you know, they might not have this, this constant feeling of anxiety all day, but they're often their environment is stressful or like how they're living is stressful. Yeah. 100% right. The environment could be like, you know, uh, pollution, like toxic, uh, exposure. It could be, like you said, inside under artificial light, lack of sunshine, uh, what, yeah. whatever, you know, uh, the, environment. Yeah. and then we have like how we're actually like living, you know, how we nourish our body, how we move our body, uh, how we relate and communicate to people. So, um, 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah you're, which you're is thinking like right. That's, okay. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And 100%. that's why I'm just thinking. You know, would you explain it another way? But that's how I often explain it. It's like you know, we cannot feel stress. Like we don't have to be thinking I'm stressed, but our environment is often stressful. And then if our environment, you know, if I am a mom and I have three kids and I have a full-time job and then, you know, at six o'clock I've worked all day and my dog is scratching at the door, but there's like five other people in my house that could take the dog, but the dog's there at me. And, you know, I've been inside all day. Like that's stressful. Even though we might not think my day is stressful, actually it is. Because yeah, 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 yeah. You're working, you're at a computer, you've got three kids that are like, mom, 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 mom. You know, you have to think about what's going to be for dinner. Uh, and then the piece is like, have you nourished your body? You know, have you actually eaten enough food today to support that? Yes, yeah, stress. And so this is where there, this resiliency piece comes in. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's okay. Like, you can have a day like that, but you don't have any resiliency to actually handle a day like that because the body's not nourished. Uh, And that's like the big piece for me. And the one that I always go to it's, and it's not all about food, but often it is a really powerful prong to help regulate that nervous system, to help build up that resiliency that we just don't have, you know? So the nervous system is not going to find it as stressful to have that day if it's nourished. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, if you, if you, the only thing that your nervous system needs to work properly is glucose, CO2, and uh, O2. That's why the monks somewhere up in Malaysia or wherever they sit, they can survive and become like hundreds of years old on the bowl of rice and meditation every day. <laughs> That's really it. Yeah. Because they, but now they have no other stress that they have to deal with all day. So that's how they can become so old. They grow so old, but they only eat one bowl of rice a day and meditate all day long. And yeah, but they set up their environment to like not be stressful. And this is like, that's it. Yeah. This is like what I I don't want to say problem, but this is like what we have to navigate today is that. 
And I, I read this book and it's called Three Steps to Awakening. And in the book, you know, it's about like meditation and, and mindfulness and awareness. But in this book, he's a student and he's asking his teacher, his meditation teacher, like, you know, so what do I have to work on? What do I have to do? Like, give me like tools and projects. And the meditation teacher says to him, ask yourself, how am I actually living? And the, mm. the word actually is in italics. And yeah. I'll often say this to the women that I work with, you know, you need to look at how are you actually living, not how you think 100%. that you're living, not how you want to yeah. live, but how are you actually living? Like what is the nervous system exposed to on a daily yeah. basis? And now it's not good or bad, like you said, you know, and sometimes, you know, we need to keep the full-time job. We're not going to give away the three children. Um, and yeah, of course not. We need to be like, okay, so this is how I'm actually living. My reality is that, you know, I'm stuck inside of a computer all day. I have three kids. I want to train. Uh, and so that's how I'm actually living. Now that's really stressful for the nervous system because maybe you have thyroid problems, maybe you have hormone problems, maybe you don't have a cycle, maybe you can't change your body composition, maybe you're tired all the time, maybe you don't sleep, like whatever the sign is that yeah. the body's telling yeah. you that it's stressed. Yeah. But then we need to look at, okay, well then, like you were speaking about, how do we build up the resiliency to it? Exactly. And what you're saying with the whole nourishment is, so all I wanted to get to with the Mark story is really that the brain doesn't need anything else besides of what I said, glucose and O2 and CO2 to be active. And so if we have all that subconscious stress that you just talked about, so how are you actually living? Like what's, what are the inputs from the external or the internal that come into that, that have, that are received? Yes. And which of them stress you on, on a conscious level? And then what are the other things that are there that you can't get rid of? What you're saying with the children and the job and whatever. So then you make you have to make sure that there's enough energy capacity in your nervous system that it can get you through that day without creating problems for you, like hormonal issues, missing a cycle, sleeping problems whatsoever. And that's why nutrition And especially individualized nutrition, that's such a big point, yeah, is the most important thing. It's like the fundament. So energy, energy um, exposure and energy, uh, how do you say, energy input. So what do you eat? When do you eat it? And how valuable is it for your nervous system? It's so individual to each uh, person. So what I told you before, so I'm building my... Well, I have built my own business, but we're kind of like redecorating right now and building online courses and whatever. And that takes a lot of capacity every day. But I'm eating so much more than I normally do. And I still maintain my weight and I'm healthy because I have understood that now the most important thing I need to worry about is my nutrition so to nourish my nervous system in a way that it can still help me support the things that I want to do without me getting sick. So that's like a massive thing. And especially what you're saying with the first thing that you talk to the women. So how are you actually living? You have a unique way of living. And so no generalized 
uh, nutritional way is then going to help you, especially you, with your individualized day-to-day and individualized problems to fix your individual problem. That's why it's so important in my, I mean, I'm not a nutritionist. I do nutrition sometimes, but I'm not like, like you where I know, okay, that's like the first thing that I can support people with to fix hormonal issues and stuff. But um, I think it's so, so valuable for a person, especially with hormonal problems and especially as a woman with uh, cycle problems to have someone at the hand that helps them with the nutrition that they need in that moment for the actual life that they're living. Mm -hmm. That's so important because how can we expect that the things that everyone goes on and on and on about, I'm so, I'm not like you. I'm not like everyone else. I'm different. I'm my, I'm my own person. Everyone goes on and on about that. And we know that. And then how can we expect that, all the foods that are out there or all the diets that we have out there, they're kind of like good for everyone at the same time. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I, I, th- I think it's great. I think what you do helping these women uh, to balance out the nervous system on the energy capacity level is one of the most valuable things that you could do, especially at the start. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's important and it's an important foundation. Um, so we were talking a little bit before around like the pelvic floor and back pain and so it's quite common. Uh, I work with mostly uh, pretty much all women now and uh, pelvic floor stuff and back pain mm. is actually really common and it's common especially after women give birth. And so I wanted to talk about like what's actually like going on there. And you went into it a little bit around uh, the pelvic floor and how we were always told to tighten and squeeze and hold and contract and do like our Kegel exercises and create tension and like hold the breath and yeah, uh, but there's, there's quite a lot of pelvic floor stuff out there now, and there's some really great pelvic floor specialists. And over the last three or five years, you know, if I'm working with women that have like this constant back pain or this constant hip pain that through like, you know, the movement practice and, and doing certain things, we can't really just seem to like get on top of or figure out. And I've sent a lot of them to pelvic floor specialists and what's what they've been told then is that they're actually hypertonic. They actually have so yeah, much yeah. tone in yeah, there. That would have been my so can you just argument. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but that would have been exactly my argument. So what you were saying is 100% correct. So there's a lot of techniques out there that are kind of from the middle age still, which is super sad. And I mean, I don't have kids myself, so I don't know. But I've been to classes with my sister when she had her three kids, supported her there. Um, and it's super interesting because what you're saying is 100% correct. They've been told, they've been told to like going up the elevator and like sucking in and then holding water and whatever and sucking in, holding your breath, letting out, breathing out, all that stuff that is when you go from a neuroanatomy perspective is so ambivalent. 
like we said before. So if I know that when my sympathetic tone is active, that my bladder needs to relax, then for example, I'd rather I'd rather try to relax my pelvic floor and try to breathe in and out at the same time rather than having my pelvic floor hold and then holding my breath and increasing sympathetic tone. So that would make no sense because then you would have the chance that, I don't know, you would try to, I don't know, when they're jumping or whatever they do and they lose water, you know. But going more into the whole back pain, pelvic floor correlation is the whole hypertone is a super like a massive thing. And I work with a lot of soccer players, for example, which might sound super out of topic right now, but they have a lot of pelvic floor hypertone as well. So when I work with them also, I mean, I also have female clients, but most of them don't have back pain, but I can relate to all the athletes that I work with and they have back pain, female and male, doesn't matter back pain or hip pain or adductor pain or whatever. And most of the time we fix it with telling them to learn again how to relax their pelvic floor, so how to get out of the whole hypertone to then activate the parasympathetic tone yeah, and try to dis- to get the whole nervous system out of disbalance. Because in the end, what happens if we go back onto a nervous system level or the stress bucket level, that's actually a very nice metaphor for it. So if I increase, let's say you do an isometric, right? You do an isometric hold. You could do a bend or Superman hold or plank or whatever, right? You are trying to increase sympathetic tone. So you get warm, your heart rate increases, and sometimes even when your muscles run out of energy, you start shaking. And you're out of breath, even though you haven't really run fast, right? That's what happens. That's your sympathetic nervous system that's like, all right, I'm here. I can support. I can go get us through this. And the same thing happens with your pelvic floor. So... If you do, let's say, a pelvic tilt and you keep holding that and just above your pubic bone, you'll feel the muscles go really hard, like the lower part of your abdomen. And you hold that. That's like an isometric hold for your pelvic floor. But you know what happens when you do like five, 15 planks one after another for like a super long time, you're wrecked, right? You're so done most of the time because isometrics do really kill you. (laughs) And the same thing happens all day long now with your pelvic floor after you had children because most of the time you've been told to keep sucking in because you get scared of losing water. So you're doing like a a year-long isometric. <laughs> Every time you're trying, you're jumping, you're running, you're doing something that stresses you, you're trying to suck stuff in. And even I, honestly, I don't have kids yet, but I know the feeling of losing water doing double or triple on this. And I know even that I, and I get, you know, 
I squeeze. Every time you do a squat, you squeeze. Every time you do a pull-up, you squeeze. Every time you do a push-up, you squeeze. Every time you run, you squeeze. That's what you do. And that's what becomes a habit then for your brain because it can't waste so much energy on being super cognitive aware of what happens down there anymore. That's how the hypertone starts. And then why does the pain start? The back pain especially. Because what does happen with the stress bucket? It runs over. And then you what's your brain saying? Well, if we don't get them pain, then they might not stop squatting. They might not stop jumping. They may not stop running. They may not stop doing whatever they do that prevents them from trying to relax the pelvic floor. So the body takes what fires together, wires, uh, what wires together, fires together, right? So the body takes something that is muscularly connected to the pelvic floor most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, and sends out the protective system as signal. Right? Hey, if you keep squeezing anymore, dude, it's going to fucking rip. Sorry, but that's pretty much what it says. It's going to rip if you don't stop. So I'm going to give you pain so you stop doing all the things that you do to get me in danger here. That's why, especially when we talk about period pain, or I can, as I'm saying, I've had I've had a very long period pain history. Um, when I found out that relaxing my pelvic floor helps me get rid of my period pain, and I had very severe with fainting and vomiting and all that stuff, I actually got rid of the pain. Rid of the pain. And I couldn't just relax it because I was trying to loosen it. I had to learn through visualization and also through tactile cueing and sensory stimulation how to relax the muscles again that are down there because my body has habitized the tension so hardly that it was so, 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 so hard to then learn to let them go again. But as soon as I had it and I could concentrate on doing it, I had no pain anymore. And a lot of people I work with, and as I'm saying, especially athletes that are putting pressure on it every day, if you help them to learn how to move their pelvic floor and to trust that it's nothing is going to happen with it if they learn how to relax it and also have them visualize it, do like um, like an autogenic picture. So you can have them like a 3D, uh, like a 3D picture they can have in their head of the diamond, the pelvic floor. And they just visualize how they actually let the muscle strings go apart they just let them go. And they try to relax beyond the normal re relaxation that they do. And that's when they try to find pain, free living or training or whatever. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting. And we could talk about like like all different types of pain, you know. We have yeah. all experienced pain before. Um or, you know, we've experienced an injury before and then therefore we feel pain or discomfort. Um, 
and I want to be mindful of the time. And the next conversation I, I would love to have is more into that around, you know, like our pain stories and, you know, say if I have knee pain all of the time and no matter like what I do from like an exercise perspective, a rehabilitation perspective, a strengthening perspective, you know, maybe I've had all the scans, maybe I've like done everything I can, but I'm still experiencing this pain. Like, like yeah. why? Yeah. What's going on? Is it, it the nervous system for some reason is still giving you that signal of it not feeling safe? Yeah. And going all the way back to the stress bucket, that's pretty much so for everyone that's listening to this, a massive takeaway, check your stress bucket. What is filling it every day? What is the conversation with your boss? Is that what's getting your heart rate up? Is that what you take home? Is that what you think about at night? Is that what gets the bucket overflown? Or is it something else? Is it something physical? Ah, That's like the biggest thing that you should ask yourself for now. And then again, if if we're having a second conversation or when we're having a second conversation, we can go into more detail of, the input systems that you should look at, especially when you've got a chronic pain, which is one of my specialities, that no one could kind of get away. And then dealing with neuroanatomy and see where things actually attach to the nervous system, how we can find relief for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, yeah. And I, I want to have a talk about yeah. it. We'll have a conversation just on that specifically. But I think, like you said today, It's just like looking at these two analogies that we've given you, you know, the stress bucket and the red umbrella and actually really looking at like, what, what's the state? What, what are the prongs like? What is not working or what's in your bucket? That's like causing so much stress, taking up so much space that it's overflowing. And now, you know, look at your environment, look at the internal inputs, the external inputs and, you know, if you can, you take that and you create change. You know, if work is the biggest stressor, it doesn't matter what we do with your nutrition, your training, you know, you could do mindfulness and breathing, but still, if you're in this state for eight, 10 hours a day because of your work, well, something needs to change with the work. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And now not saying that that's an easy thing to do, but it's for you to understand like how you're actually living is creating so much stress on the nervous system level that sometimes it actually needs to be changed. You know, we can do all the things that we can to build up your resiliency and support you, but sometimes it's, it's not enough. And so you need to really look at like that big thing that's causing the most stress and actually have a look at how you can like navigate it and create change to support your bucket and your red umbrella. Um, Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But thanks Gina for your time today uh, and for sharing about the umbrella and the nervous system. I think it's really nice to have a bit of the science behind like the nervous system, like what's actually going on for us to understand uh, because yeah, it is. Nice. I'm happy to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then next conversation, we'll really talk about like more chronic pain, uh, being in pain, the connection to the nervous system and like how we, yeah. And how you look at that and your work in that. Oh yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to be here again. And thanks for having me talk about all my weird sciencey stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like, thanks for having me. Uh, greetings from Germany. 
and uh, very excited for everyone that listens to this to take away all the points that we've been ta- we pretty much we've been giving you to start creating a pain-free life. Yeah, it's so or super just cool. A life that you can understand a little bit more what's going, what's actually going on around you. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's in italics actually, and bold and underlined. And bold, <laughs> bold, underlined, italics. Yeah. Very <laughs> Thanks, nice. Thanks, Bye. You can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcast please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Bye for now. Hey, warrior woman, I've created something very cool. Warrior school. Do you feel like you can't get the results that you want in your training? You don't know how to eat to support your training and cycle. And do those irregular or painful cycles actually stop you from training? I've worked with hundreds of women and have had thousands of conversations and most have struggled with at least one of these things, some or three, for years, sometimes even decades. Warrior School was birthed from what I have learned and experienced myself over the last 13 years about training, food and the menstrual cycle. It's an individual coaching program and online community for women who want to get strong and learn how to train with their cycles. So if you're feeling lost and disconnected from your body, if you're feeling tired and confused, and you feel like you don't have a good understanding in how to train for you, I'm here to tell you that there's something you can do about it. Warrior School teaches you how to train smart to get results. You will learn to understand what works for you and it will feel really bloody good to train. I will also teach you how to eat to support your metabolism, training and cycle. Join this community of women who lift weights, track their cycles and train with them.